0: Yeah. Well, we are uh, we are really privileged tonight to um, to welcome someone to Resurgence. Um, he is uh, a leader of leaders, is what I would I would say, and uh, he uh, is available to us. He's been in town for a conference, and he was made available, and I just really jumped at the opportunity. Um, I have spent the last, met him about 24 hours ago and just really loved his heart and loved uh, what he's doing and just who God's made him to be. And uh, we are really honored to have him. He is uh, the bishop of, uh, a bishop from Uganda and uh, responsible for 4,600 churches uh, representing a million believers and uh, not only is he responsible for that and has seen tremendous growth, he, he travels to 16 to 18 countries in Africa uh, helping leaders across Africa and the church and the continent of Africa uh, move forward. And so he speaks to leaders and vision. And uh, uh, But I just really believe that God has something for us tonight, that he's departed in um, Bishop Simon Peter Emu. And uh, we are really... Uh, just blessed and honored to have you tonight, and I want to welcome and let's give a warm welcome to him to come. Karibu! I welcome you. <laughs> Thank Blessing. Thanks, Drew. Great.
1: Delight tonight to be with all of you. A pleasure to be in this city. I think this is my second time to be in this city. Night, uh, 2011. Uh, we were here again at. Um, uh, global conference and uh, it's a privilege to take this moment to break away to be with you and to enjoy your very lovely spiritual inspired resuscitated worship <laughs> i love it no i love it with all my heart i might have a very poor voice um, when i get to sing i can get you to sleep um but um so i i that's why i enjoy all the um uh, Um, singing that comes through. Thanks. Let's give them a hand clap. That was really perfect and powerful and I believe it is an amazing story. Simon Peter is a married man, five children and um, um, he loves so much um, uh, the Lord. He, um, he, He loves the Word of God and tonight he will share a portion of that. I've been I gave my life to the Lord when I was 20 years, and um, I came to grow in walking with God. My passion is God. I love Him. I love Him. I have not seen Him, but I love Him. And that was one of my favorite uh, uh, verses for many, many, many years, the one in Peter that says, even if we have not seen Him, we still love Him. And I think I'm devoted to that. I, I, if I don't see Him, I still love Him. And uh, my heart wants to walk till the day I see him face to face. That will be the day of my joy and my satisfaction. Tonight, I take the privilege to share with us from Genesis, and that's chapter 28. I want to commence my reading from verse 10. I I want to thank you for this uh, resurgence, and uh, uh, we're going to be... I don't know what God has here. I don't want to start prophesying, predicting, whatever the course may be. But I think there's going to be a long journey between me and this thing. I think my heart is falling into it so seriously. I'll be praying for you. And um, I think I've been praying for the West generally. But when I get in here, my heart has really said, Lord, you've answered my prayer. Because I see new life here. I was in the UK, and we had uh, great meetings like this with young people again, and my heart said, yes, Lord, you're hearing our prayers. Because we love to see people who have a desire to really go into where God is. And as I was sitting here, I tell you what God is saying. He's going to suck you into himself. I was so, I said, Lord, sucking, you know, like wind, <laughs> you know. And so I said, Lord, that's what I wish and I wish to see. Um, in this part of the world. And may it so happen in the continent that Jesus loved most, Africa. Because he did. He he tested the waters of the Nile, and that Nile begins from Uganda. (laughs) It's lovely. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place, and I want you to mark that very cleanly, a certain place, and tarried there all night, all night, because the sun was set. And he took off the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamt, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to the heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give thee, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee, in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into the land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely, the Lord is in this place, and I knew not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Father, you take us into journeys of life. You walk us all through. We see more, and yet we may not understand what we see. But you have not hidden yourself from us, but you have given yourself to us, Lord, that we may know you. Because you long to be known. That's the thirst of your heart. And Lord, I know that you are doing something here. And Lord, I pray that tonight you will grant us again to know you. And that you will open up yourself. That someone, that someone will see you. That someone will know you. That someone will connect with you, that someone will sense your mighty revelation, and that we may be drawn closer into yourself. So bless these words, they are from you, bless them into our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. I guess that Jacob was about 21 years, if not 19 That's my guess. So between 19 and 21, we are all aware of the conflict between Jacob and his brother. We are all aware of the schemes of Jacob's mom. We are also aware of the schemes of Jacob's dad. And in the process of all, Jacob managed to manage skillfully what his mother taught him. And he skillfully managed to take up this great opportunity of changing the birthright. And he takes the ownership of the birthright. And I'll be talking about that shortly. That birthright is so important. To those of us who are. firstborns. I'm the last born. So Jacob. Manages this. He gets up the whole thing. But later Esau his brother. Takes this and feels so bad. And desires to take the negative aspect of it. And his desire. Is to clean up. This guy, kill him, destroy him, because he robbed him of all his best in life. Remember, Esau now has no future. It's Jacob that has taken over the future. And this is not just a small future. This is the true and real future, what I, you can also call the covenant future. And it's gone over to Jacob. And so the mother again comes to Jacob and says, Jacob, it's not going to be all right for you. It's better. You get up to your uncle's place. And never delay. Quick and go. And so Jacob takes up the scheme quickly and moves. He lives on this journey. And I'm saying to all of us, the background of Jacob is not such a good background. A very lonely man. Fearful, fret. There's fear in his life at this particular moment. He's running away from his brother. Who is hurting. And Jacob himself is also hurting. Because it's not just uneasy. There's been friction between him and his brother. And he's running away. He's crowded with guilt. Because he's not happy. His life is not a good one. Full of guilt in his heart because he robbed his brother. And he's running away. Not as a happy person. He's running away full of guilt in his heart. Now I I suppose that possibly... He left late in the afternoon, maybe as usual when his brother had gone to hunt. So he quickly left, and he disappears, and suddenly he comes to a place, and the sun sets down. And Jacob lies in this place. I think he was so fearful. I think he was so scared. I think he was not safe at all. Insecurities filling him all over. What if Esau decides to pursue him on this journey? It could have been a very serious fatal accident. But anyway, he takes a risk. He takes a risk and says, I'm going to rest here in this place. I don't know this place so well. It's like me if I have to get out of this city now. I don't know anybody. All I can do is try to find a place. I can lay my head to wait for the sunrise so I can find my own direction. And that's what happened with Jacob. He didn't know anyone there. He didn't know any place there. There's no home he could go. So he decides to find a place where he could lay himself. And the scriptures tell us that he just found a small stone there or some few stones. He made them his pillows. So he rested there. And he fell asleep. And so he rested. And so he comes in here. There's an encounter between him with This big dream. And this dream is a monster dream. A dream that opens him to something else. A dream that begins the change of his life. A dream that takes him into heights of an introduction into the covenant life that he had stolen from his brother. And I believe that this was the unfolding of God's will for Jacob's life. And was the first kind of it. I don't know, and I don't read of any other time when Jacob, after taking up this covenant, I don't read of anywhere where God had appeared to him. If there was any stories he had, he heard from his father Isaac, and possibly from his mother. But he himself had no personal encounter with God. Nothing like that. This is the very most first time. And as you read from what he says, he says, Ah, God was in this place and I had no idea. He didn't know. He was, he was like those guys who do not know when they face God. Samuel is one of them. When God called Samuel three times, he could not know that God was calling him. He thought it was the Eli that was calling him. You know, and, 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 and a journey of this kind is quite a challenging journey. And when God is speaking to us, maybe most of us don't really pick God's voice. We pick God's voice, maybe somebody's, else has to tell us and between the time god has spoken to you and the time somebody lets you know that was god speaking to you a lot has changed and uh, you know it's real and and samuel had to find that out three times but god waited for him and so is jacob he's coming up to this place and jacob had no one to help him interpret this dream for himself he had to seek out onto that I relate this to a time when, in in Luke chapter 19 when Jesus came to Jerusalem. And, you know, he came up into this mountain, and I'm told, up on that mountain, when he looked down upon Jerusalem, and he wept in his heart. And he wept over Jerusalem because it was the visitation of God, the Son of God, upon Jerusalem. And he had come to this city, basically, so he would be able to embrace Jerusalem. And I, I like the scenarios he uses. He says it's like a hen, a mother hen, taking up the chicks. And he said, I wanted to take care of you just like a hen takes care of its chicks, so you'd be protected. But I want to remind us, and that's not what I want to talk about, but I want to remind us the grace of God at that moment upon Jerusalem. And Jerusalem never, never understood the visitation of God. And it's a great thing, the history of The church, the history of humanity, that when God is visiting, we miss the opportunity when God visits us. And I pray for each one of you that you will be sensitive to the visitation of God. And that's part of what I want to emphasize to you tonight. The visitation of God must not be missed. It must be a time when each one of us can harness the presence of God and harness the glory of God and harness God's promises and relate with him in a covenant relationship. So that it's not just something that we miss. Jerusalem missed this very basic opportunity. I am told that the very spot where Jesus wept, that was the same place David stood when he was running away after Absalom overthrew him, and he wept on the same mountain. Great place to see the city and to have a vision of the city, to have a dream of what that city can become. But that city missed the opportunity when God was visiting. And I pray that none of you would miss the visitation of God that I sense here in your country. And I sense it among you yourselves. So Jacob gets into this place. And I believe this was the turning point for him. The visitation of God to Jacob himself. Now, I want you to note bit by bit. I'm going to turn it back into that text again. The Bible says a certain place. Certain place. The places that God has used to reveal and manifest himself. I don't know about you. I don't know about many of us. But I know one time that at a particular time in in my personal life, I had one spot that God met me. And that changed the life and changed my history and changed my journey as I walked as a young man. But I want you to take note of that one place, a certain place. You cannot depict where it is. But it is a place where you have to stop. Life moves on, but life must come to a place where you must stop. I don't know how much of us are running away from something. I don't know how many of us are moving on in something so eagerly. And you are driving yourself so fast into that place. But Jacob was like that. He was running away, greatly guilty in his life, greatly unsatisfied with what he had. He grabbed something for him which he did not even understand its value. But always there's an important place you must come and stop. As Craven and I were coming today, I could notice that he stopped at certain places. Why? There was a signpost there and the signpost could have been stopped. And he had to make sure he stops in that place. And I was marveling because in Africa, sometimes when we see a stop sign, we just come and pass. (laughs) And I said, Lord, (laughs) teach me something here. And here is something that helps each one of us. I don't know whether you exercise in your spiritual walk a place you stop by. So God can meet you at that moment. So that you stop everything that you are doing. It may be that you don't know whether you'll meet God in this place or not. But I don't think Jacob was aware that he was going to meet God. He was going to have a dream. Nevertheless, there must be stop places for you as a spiritual person. A place of resting. He rested. And God wanted him to rest here that night when it was so dark. When things seemed to not be clear. When your mind is so disturbed when situations and circumstances seem to be propelling you into something else, find a place of rest. Because when you find a place of rest, God will definitely speak to you. It's not just a place of that, but I want to remind all of us again, this is a place of a dream. Jacob dreamt. And this is the dream that releases us into a wide thing I want to share with you tonight. A dream. Jacob wanders in this place and he says, Oh, how awesome is this place! I come to realize that this is the house of God Himself, the gates of heaven. I don't know about you, I like being in this place. I like being in a place where it is the house of God. I like being in a place, and I don't mean this building i mean a place which is the house of god i mean a place where heaven is opened for me i mean a place where i am really directly connected with my creator and my savior i mean a place where the spirit of god has connected me to that point when i can see the throne of grace and the throne of mercy And i mean that place where isaiah lifted up his voice in the, in the moment of sorrow, he lifted up his eyes. And the Bible says he saw the one that was seated on the throne. And he saw angels that were worshipping. And, you know, there was the glory that was flowing from that place. That's the place I want to be in. That's the place that you long for in your, in your life. That's the place you long for in your journey as a Christian. A place where you see the glory of God. A place where the throne of grace and the throne of mercy is visible to you. And Isaiah was so encouraged by that. Because he saw the glory of God coming down. You know, church is church. And many people in the church are becoming so religious... That they are not at a point where they see the throne of grace, the throne of glory, the throne of government that runs and rules their personal lives. A place where they are exposed into the divinity and the nature of Jesus Christ. And where you enlist yourself and the glory of the Lord coming down. And worship that rises from the inside of your heart towards that great God. And this is a place where Jacob came into. Do you know why? This became a turning point for this guy. None of us would like the life of Jacob. And none of us would even like our past life. But when you come to this place, it's a turning point where this man, the usurper of authority and power, covenants, the guy who would take everything from anyone else, the man who would see anything good in your hands and he would want to take it away, he comes to a place where he stops. And this is a place where there's such a great revelation from God. And God and Jacob for the very first time, they meet. They meet. What a turning point for you. It was not just a mere dream. Not a dream when you go to a... A mall and you look at beautiful things and you go and you, see, you go to a factory and you see very nice cars and you come back home and you think you are, you're dreaming of this uh, limousine car you are driving you know and you're enjoying You know, that's not the kind of dream we're talking about. This is the real connection between your spirit and the Spirit of God. This is a moment when your life is taken up and you are connected to the Almighty God and your life is right there. The Bible says, and the gate of heaven was open. And can you come to that place and sense and say, yeah, this is the gate of heaven. And you feel like, I don't want to leave this place. Now I think Jacob struggled to take on, on his journey. Because this was a nice place. I mean, my name's sake would have not left that place. Simon Peter would have said, come on, let's build three boots here. I've seen one for the angels, one for the person I heard his voice, and the other one for me. Let's dwell here in this place. You will like it. Why? Because it's a place of glory. It's a place where you have met God and seen God at work. This dream is so important for us. And I want to talk to us about this dream because it's a turning point for each one of us. And how I long that each one of us be connected to heaven. Let's not just look at the God we serve like here. And let's not look at heaven as far as the skies are concerned. Let's look at it as this way that the heaven gets connected right into your own soul. And your heart is even as you sit in this place, you're not just here. Even as you sit in this place, even as you sit on Sunday, if that sit for many other resurgence conferences, that you are not just in this place. You are seated right with him in the Holy of Holies. You get connected with God. And Jacob got into this, the gate of heaven that Jacob saw. It's here. And Jacob said, I saw it with all my heart. There's this connection ladder that connects him, right? And he saw that heaven and earth are connected. And friends, this is what happens between us and the spirit of God. That your life and my life are directly connected with God. I talk about a time when you know it. You may not have words to describe it. You may, not, you may not find a dictionary that helps you tell about it. You may not find an university that will help you describe about it. But deep down inside your heart, you know it. You know it. You're not just following the crowds. No. You're not just going by what the pastor may say. You may not go by what the leaders will say. Deep down in your heart, you have the reason for it and this is what makes the difference the connection between you and god and jacob realized it you know you know here is here is a story told by rebecca here is a story told by isaac here is a story about abraham passed on to them by their father and jacob just heard these stories but they meant nothing until This strange place changed it. You know? My dad and my mom they took me to church for nineteen years meant nothing till I met the Lord myself and he became real. It changed me. Shocked my mother. Shocked my sisters. Shocked my community. Because it changed me. It was a new day. In that different place, heaven opened for me. Life became so real to me. God connected with me. Only my little soul could see him. And I could not explain. And this is what we need. Jacob got in that place he changed his life. It was not just a mystical experience it was a very divine connection with his master and Lord Jesus Christ secondly it was the providence of God this is where God himself opens up and begins to confront this man and have a connection between the heaven and earth a providence of God when God begins to provide information He watches over and sees the angels descending and ascending, bringing forth messages from him. And Jacob could record it so clearly that he knew exactly who was speaking. It was not the angels. It was the one sitting at the top of that ladder. How beautiful is it for you to hear from God, not just through angels, not just through your pastor here. I go to church every Sunday and myself, I, I say, Lord, I don't want to hear what my pastor says. I want to hear what you say. I see him like a messenger. I see him carrying that messenger. But where's that message coming from? It's from the source that I want to respond. And Jacob is listening and seeing the angels descending and ascending. But he's not interested in those angels bringing down those messages to him. He's interested at the source and he wants to respond to the source. And you and me must see God's providence in that capacity where we are not only responding to what goes on around this pulpit, but what comes on from the throne of grace and the throne of mercy. So that between you and God, you're so connected past the pastor who is here. Sometimes we come to church and we focus so much on our pastors, we forget the one seated at the top of the ladder. And Jacob focused on him as the providence of his life. It's him that manifested the plan of his life. It's not the angels. It's not the pastors here that are going to unfold your plan, the plan of your life. They're not the ones who are going to open up the mission of your life. It's the one who is at the end of the ladder that will open up the mission of your life and the focus of your life and the plan of your life and the fruitfulness of your life and the future of your life. So Jacob was so careful and as he listened and watched over those angels that he kept not in touch with angels, but he kept himself in touch with the one seated at the top of that ladder. And his life was completely changed. Let me tell you. It's not the preaching here. And I, I I don't mean to say the preaching of the pastor, the preaching of Simon Peter. is not right. That's not what I'm meaning. But I'm saying you must see it beyond this person. Because the life that will change you does not come from me. It comes from him. If you listen to me, you will miss the mark. But if you listen to me and say, what is the source of that? And you go past me and you go through to the source. Just like the apostle Paul says, Follow me as I follow Christ. First, go through. And Jacob learned that. He went up into the the bottom of that uh, thing. And he found the providence of God that had a total plan of his life. And from that, there was a revelation. And now you note from here on, if you read the book of Genesis, you discover that unfolding story of the life of Jacob begins to follow. But this was the turning point when God gave him a preview, a picture of what would look like at the end. I want to bring you as well that basically this was a mediation between Christ and Jacob on that ladder. So great that he could see the one. So great the same thing Isaiah saw. He could also see Christ seated on that throne. mediation that comes between those three. I want to encourage us to draw closer into these points because they are turning point. This dream had four very impacting changes in the life of Jacob. One, it was a living presence of God. Jacob, now from on, is no longer dwelling on the historical presence of God. He's now having the living presence of God, the now, okay? The rhema of God, the now of God dwelling in his personal life. It's not that which he had, history from Isaac and Rebekah about the covenants of Abraham, the covenants of, you know, all those other guys that were there before. Now Jacob has a reality of the living God in his own life. He's not going to be the same man as you know that from on now onwards, his life is changing every other time. He goes into Haran and he is a man who is blessed. He goes into that place, he's not a guy who is having a, a heavy heart. He's going away into Haran, a man with a relieved heart because he's met God. He's no longer traveling alone as Jacob. He's going now with God in his life. Brethren, how important is it to have the living presence of God? I don't know about you. What excites me in my Christian walk is the living presence of God. It's not history. Not something that I read from books. Not something even that I read from the Bible. I want that living presence in my heart. Somebody that I feel that there's a person in my life. I'm not just a single person, but there's a person in my life. And that living presence in my life makes the whole difference. And so real that I can see him, but not with my eyes. And as I said before, I can't explain him to you. But deep inside my heart, I do know that there is a living God. In me. And Jacob now knows it's no longer a quotation from his great-grandfather Abraham. No. Even as if they continue to pray that the God of Abraham, the God of so-and-so, the God of so-and-so, that's simply a covenant relationship that is bound by the covenants made to those guys. But the reality of the presence of God is now right in the life of Jacob. And I want to urge each one of us to have that living experience of God. So you know about it. So you know about it. You know, I was just talking to a guy yesterday and he he's from Zimbabwe and he he had this great revelation of God in prison where he was going to be, you know, fired down in a few weeks. But God appeared to him in that cell a few days before he was taken for firing squad. And and, when God revealed himself to him, you know, in a dream again, and it became so real in his heart that somebody, some personality had come into his life. And that personality had granted him that he will be safe. And he came out of that prison. And a few days he would have been fired. And God saved his life because that personality came into him. A soldier in our church... They went out, they were fighting, just out in the borders of Congo, no, in Sudan. And their platoon was all killed except him. And he had been shot on both of his legs. And he was lying there, just alive. He had tried to do everything he could to save himself, and it was not possible. And the rebels were drawing closer and began to charge the rest of the bodies right there. And he was lying there. His man had opposed God in all of his life. And at that moment, he cried out in his desperation before he gives up his ghost. And he cried out to God. And he said, God, if you are there, receive my soul. And he knew he was going to die. And he says, behold, a man that put on white robes stood just taking him between his legs. And this guy was so high, up to the skies. And he stood here. And they, all these rebels came and charged everybody except him. And he, everybody there had died before. But for him, he was alive. But this guy protected him, stood over him, and looked at him and said, You're safe in me. And that there was all this charging all around. And these guys left. And this guy was here. And this man said to him, I'm the Lord Jesus Christ who saved your life. I died for you that you may live. And in the next 10 minutes, the helicopter from the government troops came over trying to find out who else could be alive in that scenario. He waved his little hand. And they were able to land there, pick him, and take him to hospital. He was there for two weeks, unconscious. Finally, he got up from that unconsciousness, the first question he asked the nurse who was there where is Jesus? that's all he saw that was the last person he saw before he went into his coma where is Jesus? real presence of God real presence of God in your life Not historical. Changes you. The real presence of God in the church. That makes the church his own church. That when we walk into the gates of this building. Each one of us will be sensitive. Of that presence of God. I can give you stories and stories. Of where I have seen this presence of God come down. And made a difference. You'll never be the same again. Never. 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 Get to know him. When he moves on to reveal himself to us. It makes a big difference. And Jacob had such a big difference in his life. One who was a usurper. One who'd grab everything from other people has now a reality in his heart of the presence of a God. You can't go to Jacob now and tell him a story; he won't listen to your story because he has him in his life. Makes a change, the bigger difference. What a presence of God! A presence of god in jacob's life a dream that brought the voice not just the presence but the voice communion with god communion when jesus talks in your heart we hear so many voices I don't know about you, but in Africa, we have so many voices that come across our hearts and our minds. And, you know, I believe it's worldwide. You have so many voices that come. And I believe that those voices can bring good news to you. They can bring out some important information to you. But when the voice of God speaks in your heart, boy, you have the information from the throne of grace. How lovely, how lovely is the voice of God. Little boy Samuel again, the voice of God calling him Samuel, Samuel. He rises up like it must have been this elderly man Eli calling me. But it wasn't. And he goes back, sleeps again, and the voice comes back again. And Eli says to him, Say to him, speak, thy servant heareth. And this voice of God changes the life of this little boy. There's nothing, brothers, equal to the voice of God. Then you wake up in the morning and you are conversing with God. You know, sometimes we go on our knees and pray every day. But at the end of the day, you've made noise to yourself. I don't want to make noise to myself. (laughs) I want to hear him. I want to hear him. Speak, Lord. Your servant heareth. And Jacob is hearing God for the very first time. It's no more these stories. It's now the voice of God communicating with his heart. My spirit is in tune with the spirit of God. And I am hearing the language of divinity. I'm hearing the divine savior speak to my very own soul concerning me. I'm connected by voice to God. And Jacob is connected to God by voice. He hears him. I'm not hearing just from any other religious figure. No. I'm not hearing from the prophets. No. I'm not going to be sufficiently. Hearing from the prophet and hearing from this and hearing from that. As much as all that is good. But I want my soul and my ears, spiritual ears and my physical ears to be attentive to the voice of God. I'm saying to him, speak Lord, your servant heareth. I wake up in the morning and I've heard the voice of God. I don't want to be talking to myself throughout the year. Like, I ask you a question. Have you heard from him? My friends, some of us who are married, can you sit in a house and you're talking and talking alone and talking alone and, and this man is not responding? How can you be in that house? You know, talking and talking and talking to yourself and this lady is not giving back that nice small voice. No. You need to hear that voice, then you know There is life on the other side. And I believe that's the way God with us. Even for him, he longs to hear your voice. He longs to commune with you. He longs to be in touch with you. He wants to hear your voice. No matter what words you say, you can repeat one word a million times. I think it will be the smile of God when he hears your voice. But you must also hear him. The other way around. So we are able to move in the direction that he wants. And Jacob hears clearly the voice of God. He's turned everything, turned everything, changed his life, gave him direction. He knew exactly what he needs to do. And I believe that's what we need, brethren, to hear the voice of God. I urge each one of you, not only, brethren, To have the presence of God. But I want you to just hear the voice of God. Be connected with God by your spirit and to his spirit. That is the purpose why God gives you the spirit. So that your spirit and his spirit commune and communicate and understand exactly. Now I I like to take you a little bit on how God communicates with us. You know the languages of God can be audible. But the languages of God are also faith and discernment. Do you know, (laughs) I don't know some of us who have come to function with the gift of discernment. I don't know. But I love the discernment of God because that's the language of God. That was the original language that we connected with God effectively. You discern the presence of God. And a few of us operate at this level. Because much of the level we've known is the level of a voice which only talks to you, but not at the level where you have the discernment of God. And you know that God is in this place. I have in my ministry many times sensed the presence of God and discerned. And I stop. And I allow God to take over. Allow God. He's cut me many times on my sermons. And when I discern that he's come, I stop. Not that he was not here. Get me right. There is the usual presence of God, the common one, but there is the active presence of God. The usual presence of God is what many of us are common to. The active presence of God is where many of us are not common to. Because when God is in action, it's different when he's here watching us listening to us and just attending to what we want but when he acts he begins to move he has a specific mission to accomplish here and he begins to move right in our presence here and as people who sense him at that level you stop doing what you're doing so he finishes what he wants to do first then you can resume later this is the moment here with jacob god is coming to do something and jacob stops you know in that sleep he stops <laughs> he's resting he's sleeping he's in a position immovable position so that god can accomplish what he wants when it you are immovable when you are demobilized you note again when he comes back from he's heading back into his own land and there was this fight and wrestling over all the night and he, God hits him on the thigh, and the guy is demobilized. So God takes the precedence of your life. This is an experience of this man, with God, face to face. God demobilizes him, so he can take. I charge us to grow, to discern, to hear the voice of God, but to discern him when he comes through. To your life so you allow him way to walk into your heart and into your life amazing i can't finish all this it's too rich A someone for me it's too rich i can't finish all of this you know but i want to say a little thing here again that god in this dream was building on the covenant and the promises of God. When, when God wants to build on a covenant relationship with you, it's so different from ordinary relationships. I want to urge to all of us, when we are dealing with God, we deal with God at a covenant level. A covenant level is, is more than just a relationship. You know, it's in marriage that you're coming in and you're vowing, you exchange vows with your spouse. We are imitating a covenant relationship with God. In other words, we are saying, forever nothing then doeth part us here except death. And when we are relating with God, I want to encourage each one of us that God is building us up until when we come to a point when we are covenantly related with him. Because in the covenants of God, that's when the flow and the flow and the fullness of the blessings of God dwell. They don't dwell in the rest of relationships. They're so minor, like sprinkles of water. But if we want to see the flood of God's blessings, which are full of responsibilities and ministries and engagements that are meaningful, then we come right into the point when there's a covenant relationship with God. And God is saying to, a, to Jacob, <laughs> we are going into a covenant relationship. And you have known that that covenant has never been broken even one single day. To this very day. It'll be there tomorrow. It will be there till Jesus comes back. Did you know, my brother and my sister, that God is committed to you for the rest of your life? Doesn't matter what happens. Did you know that? He's committed to you. This yes is his yes. And when he said yes to you, he meant it. When he said it on the cross, it's finished for you, it is. He's not going to change that again. And how appetizing that is, how challenging that is to you and to me to rise up to a standard where we meet God at the covenant level. Jacob is a man full of weaknesses. He's running away. You know, he's robbed somebody. He's in a lying situation. In fact, here is where you see the overflowing grace of God. The unconditional love of God. Dealing with the sinner. It's just like in that lady that came in the night when Jesus was about to die. I mean, going to the cross. And he, Simon the leper invited him into his house. And this lady from any city, no, loitering in the city, comes over in the night with that alabaster giant. Pours it all over on Jesus. A sinful woman. Walking in and Simon says, come on Lord. If you were a prophet, you could have discerned that this woman is not a rightful person to anoint you. But she comes in. And at that moment, here is a covenant relationship, unconditional completely. And Jesus looked at her and quickly says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. That's one of the most powerful statements that Jesus says about you. Leave him alone. Stories can go all around you. Millions of them. Jesus has one word. Leave her alone. Don't raise an accusation on her. Don't leave her alone. I walked into this house. No one ever gave me water to wash my feet. Great men had money in their pockets, they couldn't even buy ointment on him. They knew a few days from then he was going to be buried. They knew. But none of them prepared Jesus for that. And this lady comes over to prepare him. And in the Hebrew culture, halots could, they could only take their tithes to the temple when that offering is given to the dead. It's Jesus. And this lady comes over at a moment, knew this man is gone in the next few days, gives him an offering of her life. Jesus, in return, gives her the unconditional love and enters into a covenant relationship and defends her with all his life. Jacob understood he was not the same man again because he got into a deeper relationship. I'll stop here, man. I just want to plead with you this journey that Jacob took. Reflect it on your personal life. And see your presence of God in your life. The voice of God daily as you journey in the life of God. Have you come through to a covenant relationship with God? I'm very much aware that you are Christian. But I'm taking you deeper. I don't want you to hang, like in Uganda we have the, the, the um, trumpeters who believe that some of us are on the veranda of the house but have not come into the house, in our faith. But I want us to go deeper in looking at how God relates with us at this level. Takes Jacob and takes him deeper to open up His presence. So you and me can access that presence. Reminded on that day when he hung on the cross. And then he cried out. The curtain up in the temple split. So the holy of holies could be opened for all of us. Once and once for all. So the high priest would not be the only singular person that could enjoy the holy of holies. And he became accessible for all of us. They heard his voice. But I want you to connect with God to the level that you hear his voice. So you're just talking to yourself. Now. So when you come to him, you hear him. When He speaks in your heart, makes a whole difference. Bound by a covenant relationship, you know that God is not going to leave you. You know it. And I don't want you to think of Him like human beings. We enter into relationships and forget one another after one year or after when circumstances come, and we forget. God is not going to do that with you. The most firm relationship you can ever have is a relationship with God. You can be assured of it. You can be assured of it. You and me may fail him. He will not fail you. And that's the hope you have in life. You can hang on his faithfulness and stay there till he and you connect in a way that is meaningful. I'm just going to ask your prayer team to come. I want us to take a few minutes. And I want to ask you to respond to God. I believe God has spoken to you and spoken to me. Jacob left. Doesn't matter what your background looks like. God reveals himself to you. And that's my desire tonight. That God, you will see God in a new way. That you go back totally renewed. You go back totally with a new sense, you go back with a new discernment towards who God is. Assurance in your heart is a covenant God. He desires that relationship with you forever and ever. If I come back, I'll finish my sermon. <laughs> if I don't come back, <laughs> Trevor will finish that sermon. It goes back into the book of Genesis. And looks at that. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you. Lord, we love you. Lord, you're speaking to us. It's your desire to be known. And tonight, Lord, we want to know you better. Just like Apostle Paul prayed, he says we want to get to know him. And know him better. Jacob had heard about you but never experienced such a great opportunity that he saw in this place. Tonight, Lord, this could be another place for someone to meet you. It could be a stopping place for somebody. It could be a resting place for someone. It could be a place of revelation, place of dream. It will make A big change. Manifest yourself. Reveal yourself. You want to take some time to pray? The prayer team is here. Just want us to take some little time. Come over. The Lord has spoken to your heart. I don't know what it is. But I know for sure. God has spoken to you. Give yourself to him tonight. And may He touch you in a very special way. May He give you His presence. Thank you, Jesus. Take time to come. Respond to the Lord. Your walk in Him may totally not have been so close. You may be walking a bit far, hesitantly. The Lord says that will change today as you come close to Him. The prayer team is waiting for you. Take time to come. and Pour your heart to Him. Love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Let your heart be with him. All God wants is to take you deeper so you don't just all God wants is to remind you I have a covenant with you deeper this could be a beginning with your life a new day opening up for you like Jacob new day and God takes you into his presence so deeply and your life will never be the same again take your time thank you Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're wondering in your heart, what is this? You'll never get to know it until you get here and somebody lays his hands on you and prays with you that your eyes will be opened to the facts of what God wants to do with your life. Some of us, God wants to take us to the next level in our journey of walking with him. Take time. And it will make a difference for you. Thank you, Jesus.